0: Welcome to episode 22 of the Cyber Guy Podcast. I'm your host, retired FBI Supervisory Special Agent Darren Mott. And in this episode, I'll answer all the burning cybersecurity questions some of the listeners of this podcast have with a special guest. right. So the genesis of this particular podcast came about because I was lazy this week, to be quite honest. Uh, I have a couple friends that are going to come on in later weeks to talk about a business email compromise case, uh, an unhackable hard drive, uh, and a undercover that we did several, I mean, a decade and a half ago that resulted in arrests all over the all over the world. But those are coming up in a future podcast. So look out for those today. I asked uh, my wife to ask her friends and family about what cyber questions they may have that they've always been curious to know or have at the top of their head. So we're going to address those particular questions in this podcast. To start off about to talk about new cybersecurity news of the day. That I'll be honest with you, the last week and a half has been somewhat quiet from a cybersecurity perspective. There haven't been any huge data breaches other than the one I talked about last week with the Irish Gym Management Company, which appeared to impact uh, CrossFit users who, who may use particular CrossFit gym applications. Um, some of that information, uh, if you, again, repeating what I said last week, if you want to look at that, there's a website called haveibeenpwned.com. Put in your email, and it'll tell you where your information has been compromised and, and data breaches going back several, several years. Uh, one other thing, if you listened to last week's podcast, depending on when you downloaded and listened, you may have noticed that there was uh, some cutouts. That was a, law, a legal friend of mine uh, contacted me after I had published the podcast and mentioned that some of the things that Rob Shutt and I talked about last week kind of bordered on questionable uh, information about tactics used by the FBI in investigation so I cut those pieces out so you'll hear some parts where it cuts out but it really doesn't change the the information provided so if it sounded weird that's that's a re- rationale for that and I thank my legal friend for trying to keep me out of trouble so with that let's go to these cyber questions hopefully in looking at these these are similar questions that you may have had at the end of this I'll also talk about some some of the more popular questions I would get when I did presentations with the FBI, and we'll, we'll talk to those qu- answers or give answers to those questions as well. But I want to introduce my my guest today is my lovely wife, Kelly. Kelly, thank you for coming on.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: <laughs> and I tasked her with uh, calling her friends and family and saying, come up with cyber questions to ask for this. And she's mentioned them to me, but I don't remember exactly what they all are. So um, some of these I'll be winging off the top of my head. Hopefully these are questions that you may have had. and you, These can be helpful in you, in your cybersecurity journey and keeping yourself safe. Because, again, the the point, the reason I put this podcast together was to help people protect themselves from the cybersecurity threats out there to allow you to understand what those threats are. Um, You know, I deal with cybersecurity threats and vulnerabilities all the time. So it seems makes a lot of it makes sense to me because I deal with it all the time, but for, for most folks, you not something you think about. Uh, And so uh, the goal here is to, to help people not become cyber victims. So, all right, Kelly, let's go ahead with question number one. And feel free to give attribution to who asked you this (laughs) question so they can at least be responsible (laughs) for it.
1: (laughs) Okay. So my first question comes from my dad. Very general. What are the top five security concerns for home computers?
0: All right. Well, I'm probably not going to give all five, but I can give the top the top concerns for home computers. These are home. And I'm going to I'm going to express this out from not just home computers to home networks. So, if you look at your if your home network, you think about how many how many things are attached to your router so everything runs through the the router or the modem provided to you by your internet service provider be it wow be it time Warner cable be it google fiber whoever they give you a device or you buy your own and basically your devices connect to that. And you'd probably think I have five or six things connected. I believe in this house alone, we have probably over 20 things connected to our network. This includes smart TVs, Apple TVs, iPads, iPhones. And there's only two of us living in the house at this point. When our kids come over, then add four or five because all their phones connect to the network. So the first thing is to make sure that you keep your router up to date with particular firmware. In other words, if you are provided a router from your internet service provider, they are maintaining that router so you don't have to worry about that particular thing. If you have your own router, then you need to do a couple things. First thing is change the administrative password. All of the routers that you buy personally, be them Linksys or Netgear or whomever your router company is, if you, if you install your own router to your network, that password is the same for every router of that brand. So a bad guy can figure out how to get into your router if you haven't changed the default password. So change the default password first. And then you want to turn off, this is what I would recommend, turn off the what's called the SSID broadcasting. When you Like if you're at your house now and you, you take a look at all the wireless networks around you in your neighborhood, you'll get all of your neighbor's wireless names for their networks turn that off. That way no one knows how to find it on yours. You need to know what it's called so that when you tell your device to attach to it, you'd give it the name. It's a little more complicated to do that, but it's a better security option because not everybody can see what your name of your network is and perhaps try to hack it. Not that, you know, generally where you are, you have to worry about that a lot, but there's certainly people that if they're smart enough, they can get into your wireless network and do bad things that way. I had a case Many years ago, when wireless networks were first starting to be a thing, we were trying to arrest a guy in Germany. And we had the address for the network he was using. It turned out to be a Wi-Fi that an older couple in an apartment building had turned on that he was using to do his illegal stuff because they didn't have a password set up for the Wi-Fi. Most people do the passwords for the Wi-Fi now, which, again, is another thing that everybody should do. Um, But I, I very rarely now see unsecured Wi-Fi networks anywhere. So if you at least have a password for your Wi-Fi, that's the other thing. For your home computers, you should always have some kind of antivirus suite, whether you have a Mac, whether you have a Windows device, whatever. Have some kind of antivirus security. I use Sophos for our Macs here. McAfee, Windows, uh, Defender is another one. Uh, But you should have something. It's not going to provide you perfect perfect security, but it's at least going to block those things that it knows are bad. So you should, you should not run a computer without some kind of security suite on there. You question?
1: Okay, so I'm going to show my ignorance here and ask another question that came in that's very technical. Um, are you talking now about hardware firewalls? Because the question came, do you recommend installing a hardware firewall on your home network? And if so, which one do you recommend?
0: <laughs> okay. Well, I'm not going to start off by saying I'm not going to recommend one because I don't use them. I don't use one myself. Would I recommend someone installing that? And what a, what a hardware firewall is, it's a separate appliance that you purchase to put between your router and all of the rest of your devices. So all the traffic is potentially block through that firewall. It's an added piece of protection. One thing I even tell companies is you're not going to use technology to protect yourself from the problems that are out there. If you feel comfortable buying a hardware firewall and installing it on your network and configuring it, go ahead and do that. Most people aren't, don't have that skill level. Now, if you're, if you're an IT professional, you have that skill level. You can do that. I don't have one because I don't, I have evaluated the risk to our home network to be minimal And that I do not require an an extra hardware piece added in that I then have to configure to do that thing. But I also don't work from home. I don't have kids doing school from home. If you are concerned about it and you are technically skilled to be able to configure your firewall, then absolutely buy a hardware firewall. You're just going to all that's going to do is increase your security. Um, But you have to keep it. You have to configure it correctly because you're going to block stuff out of your network that you may need um, if you if you're gaming and you don't have it configured correctly, you won't get out to your game system. So you have to go into the firewall and configure it to do that. If your wife is working from home and all of a sudden she can't get into her VPN because you have your hardware firewall misconfigured, that's going to be problems. problem. So it could, could, could potentially cause more problems than it's worth. But if you are comfortable working in that environment, doing the configurations, keeping it up to date, updating the firmware, it's a very, it's a, it's a fine device to have. And um, I leave that to personal preference. I honestly don't know a lot of people that use it, but I'm probably not asking them either. So there probably are more people than I know that are using hardware firewalls. I just it's not a question I ask. Uh, and again, it's personal preference. Um, if you're looking for a particular hardware firewall, Cisco usually builds the best best uh, material or the best hardware. But Cisco does it, Netgear does it. I'm sure Linksys has a, a hardware firewall. I have not researched them enough to be. Um, Skilled enough to tell you which one to choose. Do your own due diligence, find one that works for you, and go that route.
1: So it's not entirely necessary if you're doing banking from home? No. Okay.
0: All right. Yeah, I don't <laughs> yeah because because uh, it doesn't really because you you're going to you have to get out from your network to get to your bank to get your information. The, hard, the hardware firewall is not going to block that traffic and it's not going to stop someone from acquiring your username Pat, the problem with banking stuff that you have to be concerned of is do you have a strong password or are you using multi-factor authentication? If you do those two things you don't need a firewall at all for your banking because the bad guy is not going to get that text message or that email that allows them to get access to your to your your um, accounts.
1: Okay, good. Did you want to add any more of those top five? Other t-
0: yeah, so but going back to the first question, because we <laughs> kind of jumped around there. Sorry. So um, for your computers, make sure you keep them updated. If Windows, So Windows has Patch Tuesday. Every once a month on a Tuesday, or if it's more important during the month, they will send out patches to their devices. Turn on automatic updating. Now, the problem you get into that, and, and you have to make this assessment yourself, is sometimes those updates cause other things to break because they're not they're not put together correctly, so you have to then take a risk assessment. And say, do I want to automatically update these, or I want to wait and see if it causes problems? Same thing with Macs. You should have auto update on your computer so that when a when a patch comes out, it's fixing something within the computer that the company figured is a security risk, and that's why they're sending out that patch. So you should have you should patch that up so that your system is as secure as it necessarily needs to be. So make sure everything is updated. Um, the other thing I would recommend as far as passwords go all the browsers have the option to save a password within the browser. I recommend not doing this simply because if a bad guy gets into your system and, and gets access to your browser and you have passwords saved on the browser, he now has access to those logins because the passwords are saved on the browser. Again, is this a, is this something that happens every day? You know, for most folks, it's probably not gonna be a big problem, but it's just another safety feature that you are reducing your risk if you do not save your passwords within the browser you know, I, have I done that before? Sure. I mean, sometimes a lot of these things are, uh, here's the best best practice. I'm not saying I, you know, do them all myself as I do them as best I can, but I have a password manager that I use. That's a separate um, application on my phone, my iPad, my iPhone everywhere that I don't save my passwords in my browser because I can go get the passwords from this application that when I change a password on one device, it changes it across all the devices. It's called Keeper Security. That's the one I use, but Dashlane, all the password uh, applications do the same thing. So find one that works for you and use that, and save your passwords there. And then you can go find them. It takes a couple extra steps to do that, but it's still it's a better security option.
1: Is there a way to take those um, saved passwords off of your browser if you have? Yes, done there's that? a preference.
0: There's a preference within each browser to say to not autofill and to you can delete them.
1: Ah, like for so so for for example
0: <laughs> I ha, so yeah so for example if I bring up Chrome I have Chrome here on my computer I'm looking at if I go to preferences uh, and I go to privacy and security and I scroll down actually I don't know where that is exactly so if I do search settings and put passwords it'll bring me to where it is so I go to autofill is that the one I want. Yeah. So autofill, there's passwords and I have offer to save passwords. I have that turned off automatically sign into web states, you stored credentials. I have that turned off. And then there are some passwords in here and you can, there's, there's three little buttons on the side. You can click on the button and it'll give you the option to remove that password. Now, the problem is you can't like remove them all. So you'd have to go, if you've stored a lot of them, you have to go in and and delete them all. So it can be somewhat time consuming, but that's how you do it in Chrome. And I'm sure edge and Safari all have the same thing. Go to preferences, search for passwords, find them, and you can turn off the offer to get it. And the, um, automatic sign. in if, if you don't want to use it.
1: Okay. I have a feeling I might not be the only one who's going to listen to this later and walk through those steps. That <laughs> you just, that's fine. That you just mentioned. <laughs> um, at least I hope I'm not the only one, but, mm-hmm. um, Okay, in your opinion, are we ready to go on to another sure, question? Sure, yeah, yeah. All right. What is the most secure operating system? Mac, Windows, Linux? This
0: is a misconception that there is a safe operating system. Mm. Operating systems, be it Macintosh, be it, or Apple, I guess, it's no longer called Macintosh, called Apple, Linux, or Windows all relies on computer code created by humans. There are errors and flaws within all of that code that recreate vulnerabilities that bad guys exploit to get into your system. The fact that Windows users are more likely to be victims of cybercrime has nothing to do with them using Microsoft. It has to do with more people using Microsoft. If I'm a bad Mm -hmm. guy in Russia and I'm writing malware that I don't really have a distinct victim, I just know I want to get it to as many people as I can so they can download it and it can compromise particular systems, then... If 80% of the world is using a Windows machine, I'm going to create malware to the Windows machines because I have a better chance of hitting someone who will open a, open a link in an email, download a device with malware, or download a uh, document with malware, and it'll give me access if the malware runs correctly. So that's why Windows is always a target because more people use Windows. Linux is the least likely target simply because fewer people use it. A lot of businesses use it, so there there are targeting of businesses with the Linux information but the problem with linux is there's so many varieties of it it's open source it makes it very easy for bad guys to figure out how to compromise a linux system but that define the linux system that they're targeting so that's that's the the issue there i saw a news report last week that there's still millions of computers out there running windows 7 the current windows um operating system is Windows 10. Windows 7 no longer even is provided updates. Windows has stopped supporting it. But there's millions of computers that use Windows 7. So if I'm a bad guy, new vulnerabilities are found in Windows 7 that's a pretty good chance that I can find someone with a Windows 7 computer and get access to that. If you are running a Windows 7 computer currently, I beg you to stop. Update it to Windows 10. You can probably do it for cheaply, if not freely, uh, and get off of Windows. If you're using Windows XP, because there's still millions of computers that use that as well, then you are, I can't help you. If you're still using Windows XP, you are beyond my help because you are going to get hammered at some point. There, There was a so situation of a year ago or so where a bunch of computers in Europe got hit because they were running Windows XP still as an operating system, which again is no longer supported by Microsoft either. So get off of those, have the most updated um, version you can. The Apple version is currently Big Sur, but Catalina still works, Mojave still works. There's still a lot of earlier version. Um, operating systems within Apple that are still valid and they're still updating them. and still, still supporting them. So don't feel like you have to jump to every new Apple operating system um, and, but keep them updated. So there is no, no one is more safe than the other. There are, there are vulnerabilities in each. It's just, it has to do with how many people are using them.
1: So you can't sit back and relax. Correct. Based if, on if the you, operating system yeah, that you
0: have. That is correct.
1: Yeah. Okay. And so one more technical question, um, before we get to, you know, the questions that are really in a mama's heart. Sure. Um, do you recommend using alternative DNS services for more secure web browsing configured on your PC or your home router?
0: Yeah, so there's, th- this depends on where you are in your life. If you are at home with kids who are doing work school from home and who are browsing without your general supervision, absolutely I recommend using a, an alternative DNS option. DNS is the domain name service. This is the function on the internet that allows you to go to google.com, to go to bankofamerica.com. The internet and the the infrastructure that supports it does not understand what amazon.com is or what google.com is. It understands numbers to direct information to those numbers, the IP addresses for each of these services, websites and what have you. So the DNS service is what converts. When you put in Amazon.com, your browser goes out to a DNS server to say, what is Amazon.com equal to? The DNS server says Amazon.com is equal to this particular IP address, and the the information is then traveled. This all happens in, you know, split-second action. Your Internet service provider provides you a DNS service that they have that is unmonitored, unregulated. It just kind of works but it doesn't allow you to do any modifications. There are other DNS options that you can get for free. I used to use one when we had kids in the house called OpenDNS that you would then configure, I think I configured it on my router. In other words, every device that in our home connected to our router used the OpenDNS um, service. And so I was able to block particular types of websites through that DNS service. It is not perfect. It will not block everything you want it to block because particular providers of websites figure out ways around all of those protections. The one I use was called open DNS. It was free. I think I paid 10 bucks a year so I could look at logs and stuff just for information purposes. Um, but there are others. I don't know them all off the top of my head. I haven't really researched it. Um, but if you are, by, like, for, for example, our kids are longer in the house. It's just you and me. I pretty much trust that you're not going to go to your websites. that are going to cause us any problems. You can probably trust I'm not going to do the same. So we do not use uh, an extra DNS because we don't really need that extra level of security. If you're working from home or you are have kids at home or kids doing school from home, then, yes, I would look into those. Uh, and see which one you can use, and then configure it how it needs to be configured. If it can be a hardware configuration, that's easier. In other words, if you can go into your router and change the DNS options, every computer or every device in your house will use that DNS option as opposed to going to your um, ISPs. If you do it individually on each machine, then you have to do it individually on each machine. It's kind of a pain in the butt, quite frankly. So you want to do it at, at a hardware level, specifically the router level, if you can.
1: Okay, thank you. Now, those questions came from a, a friend who um, is an IT person. So right, Let's just call technical. him Jeff. Jeff. <laughs> thank you, Jeff. Um, but um, I did get a few questions from some mama friends of mine. Ashley and Juwanya, um asked, and I think maybe it stems from listening to your first podcast and when you said TikTok was bad. It might stem from that. When I said TED Talk was bad? TikTok. Oh, TikTok,
0: yes. Um, I was going to say TED Talk is probably okay, but (laughs) TikTok (laughs) TikTok. is not. (sighs)
1: Um, And, you know, and the whole social media and getting your face out there and, and whatnot. So Ashley's question is, is it too late? I'm always thinking Google already knows everything, literally everything about me, so I tend to think it's too late for me to be safe. I mean, really, they have all my photos, so they have my face and all my loved ones. I kept a blog for family up until about two years ago or so. It's private, so you can't find it on a search engine, but Google has a diary of our life for 10 years. I use Google cell phone, Google Internet, Google Pay. I have a Google phone. Am I doomed?
0: Well, let's be honest. Google doesn't care about your stuff. Google does not have people going through all of your information saying, Ooh, look at Ashley's blog today. I don't believe what she said. They don't, there's not enough, they don't have enough employees to go through all of that for everyone. Do they store all this information? Absolutely. The government loves it because they can then use that information if they need to to get in, to get evidence if there's crimes that exist. So there's a relationship between the government and Google for that. But if you're not doing anything illegal, it's really nothing you need to worry about. Because again, the government has even less people to do all those things. So as far as I don't understand the arm, am I doomed? Doomed in what respect? Is our information out there? Sure. I'd be more concerned about the password and the login information available on the dark web from data breaches that is available for every criminal to access. So that would be my biggest concern is probably every email or every password you use five years ago is available on the dark web somehow. So hopefully you've changed your password since then or changed them regularly, or at least use more complex passwords. So, um, you know, you're not doomed in the sense that, Google is really not going to do anything negative against you, and you can you can look at all the political stuff with the tech companies. But you know, again, they have their issues, and we're not going to get into that here. But from a security standpoint, I am not necessarily concerned about Google having access to my email because I, I have Gmail. Um, I use Gmail uh, for for my general personal email. I have recently created a Yahoo email specifically for websites that say, hey, give us your email and we'll give you this. So that's going to be my junk mail box for a while because that way if people want to send me spam afterwards and I'm really not interested in their product, I'm just interested in whatever I need to get off that website at that point, I don't have to worry about that in my Yahoo box. I can just go in there and delete them because I know they have nothing to do with anything I need. So, sure, Google has a lot of our – stores a lot of our information and every – but so does everybody – all the other applications and, and things that you – every time you sign a terms of service – You are giving them permission to do the things that that terms of service says, whether or not you read it. So chances are, I mean, I have yet to find a person has read every line on a terms of service. When they download an app and there's a terms of service that logs up, no one's reading that.
1: You scroll through it. You scroll
0: through it so you can get through and get what you need to do correct. So we are basically giving up that privacy protection. Again, what is the... You know what are those entities doing with it now? TikTok has a terms of service, and that one I'd be conservative simply because that information is then going to the country of China. Google's information is not, to my knowledge, going to China. Sure, you can hate Google for all that they do, absolutely, but they provide you a lot of information that makes it easy for you to do what you're doing. Um, so, yeah, I think in a general sense, we're doomed overall in the sense that our information is out there. You have to accept the fact your Social security number has been compromised. Emails you use in the past have been compromised. People have your email address from a variety of things. Google does a lot of tracking with cookies when you browse. That's why when you go to Amazon and look for Hoka shoes, so you're looking to, to get some new shoes, you're looking so you look at Hoka, you then go to a website, the first thing that pops up is an ad for Hoka shoes. That's because Google is using cookies within your browser to be able to track what it is you're interested in and, and direct ads towards you. That is not malicious in any sense. They are not trying to hack into your computer. They're just trying to give you what they think you need through algorithms uh, because you've shown an interest in that before. It's like same thing with Facebook. I mean Facebook has its issues and you can argue politically what you don't like about them or whatever. Same thing with Twitter, but they have code that is written to give you what they think you want. So when you go to the videos part of Google, if you like friends videos, people have clips of you know things on friends. If you're a friends fan, then all of a sudden, if you sit there and watch it for 30 seconds, then all of a sudden you get a lot of different friends videos mm-hmm. in right, our Big Bang Theory or whatever. Or if you watch an ad for a fitness device, you're suddenly going to get a lot more ads for fitness devices. This is how they make their money through ads. So if it's something that concerns you, stop using those services. So that's how, that's how you can fight against it. But as far as being doomed... I wouldn't worry about it that much. They don't care about... They care about giving you the things they think you want so you'll buy stuff that supports their ads that make them money. That's what they're concerned about. And a lot of stuff you can just eliminate. There are security precautions within all of these entities that you can turn on or off up to your depending on what you're looking to do. So if you take the time to do that, you can protect your information.
1: Okay, good. Thank you. And so um, to... Another mama question along the same lines, but um, starting out for your kids. So, so Juanya asked, um, you know, she just got iPads for her sons mm-hmm. and how can she protect them just starting
0: out? Well, the first, well, going back to the DNS question, invest or or, or download a, a, a DNS service that you can, that you can manage.
1: What does DNS stand
0: Domain for? Domain name service. So you can, this is the what converts the name to a number so that it knows how to travel. So if you go to, so if you, if you pr- install that on your home network, you can basically go into OpenDNS and say block all pornography sites. So DN- OpenDNS has a, is, their service goes out and looks for sites that are classified under certain things, be it medical, be it, you know, gambling, pornography, whatever. And you can block all sorts of sections on that. Again, there are some websites that will get around that because they figured out how to get around that. Uh, And we apologize if you hear our dog in the background, there must be a dog walking by the house. So, so our German shepherd is barking. So that's who you're listening to in the background. But so do that. Also, if they, if you're going to give them social media accounts, you need to be the first person on that social media account that they become friends with. I would hold off on social media accounts as long as possible because that's where you dive into the, the, the you know, down the rabbit holes and, and a lot of things can happen there. Um, tell them, tell your kids you're monitoring everything they, that they're doing on your network, even if you're not. How are they going to know? They're not going to. your kids are young enough. They won't know that you're not monitored. So tell them you are. Tell them you're monitoring everything so everything they do you're going to know. Um, and then when they get tell old,
1: tell them today that you're monitoring everything, and spend the next however long it takes to figure out how to monitor them <laughs> yeah. for when it's necessary.
0: Right. Yep. So and put you put time limits on it. There, there's applications that you can put within your network that turn off the iPad at a certain times. So turn all those things on if you don't want them staying up till one in the morning on their iPad. Put on a parent lock and turn it off at eight o'clock or nine o'clock or what have you.
1: Well, just have a a place to store all of them at the end of the day. Or do that, yes. Yeah, Yeah. powering and and whatnot, but.
0: Keep in mind, you're the parent, so it's okay to say no. There's nothing wrong with saying no.
1: Right. Okay. Um, I had another question, but I can't remember now.
0: I guess we won't be asking it then.
1: Maybe it'll come to me. <laughs> Did you have anything else to share?
0: Oh, that was the end of your questions. That's
1: the end of my questions that that came in. Maybe more will come in.
0: Okay, so I'll so I'll mention first. a couple of things. Every time I would do a presentation, there were certain questions that I would get that almost every almost every time. First one had to do, obviously, with passwords. How do I store them? What do I do with them? I think I've mentioned this many times, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but a password manager on your application is the best way to do it. If you don't like that idea, there's nothing wrong with writing down your passwords on a piece of paper and sticking it in a book and put the book on the bookshelf. Unless you are robbed by a Mensa member, no one's stealing your books, so your passwords will be in there. However, if, um, you know, don't, Take your passwords and tape it up to your computer monitor. That's not the way to go. But do whatever is easiest for you to keep track of those passwords uh, because that's the thing. Uh, and turn on multi-factor authentication. I will say this probably every other podcast going forward. Who knows? Uh, so what another qu- common question. Yeah, go ahead.
1: Okay, sorry. I did think of my question. Mm-hmm. Um, and it goes back to when you used to speak to the high schoolers about going into the FBI. Uh-huh. So... When you do have social media and you are using it, I mean, how can that come back to bite you in the yeah, so that's
0: a Yes, that's a good point. And as parents, you need to explain this to your kids. Whether they want to believe it or not, this is true, is that especially if they want to go work in the government. They want to go work in the government. The government is going to do a background check on everything you've done from 18 to whatever age you're at. That will include a social media check. They will check your social media accounts. They will ask for access to it and what your social media accounts are and look for what pictures have you done. Did you make racist statements? Did you do anything, show illegal activity, anything of that nature? Your employers in the future will do the same thing, whether they're the government or they're the private sector. They will go through and look at your social media because there is a, a an issue with they don't want to hire someone that's going to embarrass them or ruin their brand down the line. So they would do they will do a some kind a, a smaller background check of your social media accounts to see what did you do when you were young. And if it's something they don't like, you may not get the job. So then kids need to be aware of that. Most of them think they're going to go be social media influencers and make millions of dollars. So they have that belief in their head. If you can dissuade them of that, that that is not the normal way most folks go, then they will be better off down the road. So definitely, you know, they need to be careful what they're doing on social media. There's nothing wrong with social media if it's used the right way. Uh, but, you know, as teenagers, the the brain is not fully developed. Hormones take over, and they can do things that they're going to end up regretting down the line. We've had cases here, even in Huntsville, where teenagers, uh, you know, they have their first girlfriend, and they decide that they want to do sexting in between between themselves. Uh, the the relationship breaks up, and then the. You know, one of the two, one of the pairs sends out the sexting videos to everybody else. The problem you get into with that is that is distribution of child pornography. So the kid who distributed the picture of their boyfriend or girlfriend gets arrested, charged with distribution of child pornography, and is now a sex offender the remainder of their life. Mm. So things like that, they need to be aware of that there's repercussions for things you do online and. You can put something online and delete it, but it's still on there forever. Once something goes online, it is there forever, whether you delete it or not. There are examples upon examples of people saying stupid stuff on Twitter, then immediately deleting it an hour later, but 400 people downloaded it and it's now, it's now gone viral and everybody sees it. So yeah, you need to explain to them the ramifications of their actions and how to be careful online.
1: Okay, thank you.
0: All right. And that's the extent of the questions we have for today. This is a nice little short short uh, podcast for you to start the week. If you have questions for me on other issues that you wish we had asked in this particular podcast, feel free to email me at darren at com. I will do my best to answer those questions uh, either in person or on a future podcast. You can download this podcast on all of your favorite podcast providers, be it Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, spotify they're kind of it's it's hopefully all there somewhere so feel free to do that tell your friends uh the more people that listen the more information gets out the less victims of cyber crime we will have in the future as you go through your week make sure you assess the risk or excuse me i almost said it incorrectly you understand the threats that are targeting you assess your risk overall and proceed widely thank you have a good week